This week on Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet, Sirens of the Ditch, Part 2, by Jason Isbell. Have you noticed my accent coming out this season? I it's mean, totally not intentional, but it's like totally coming out. It's I, I've I've never noticed it not coming out. Like I, I feel like you've you've never not had it. Oh, cool. <laughs> You're I mean anyway. That's the, that's the sound of JB. <laughs> hey everybody, I'm JB. This is Rob Carmack. Rob, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing all right. I'm I, wait wait a second. I should have been ready. I'm ready for a sh- I'm ready for a shotgun podcast. Shotgun podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the devil is my podcast mate. Oh, that's good. Or the podcast the is podcast. my running mate. <laughs> um, so we're talking about uh, racetrack podcast. Half. What? Racetrack oh, podcast. Racetrack. <laughs> we're talking about the second half of Sirens of the Ditch by Jason Isbell. It's his first solo record. Uh, this is season three of Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet. Normally we talk about Bruce Springsteen songs or records. This uh, season we're taking a little... We'll side road into Jason Isbell. Um, we explained that more in the previous three episodes. So anyway, we won't belabor the point. And yet we, Rob, we, we do continue to have people on Twitter asking us, like, when are we going to get back to the Bruce Springsteen songs? Which the, And the answer is in the next season, season four. So yes, season we'll, four. We'll do, we'll do the Jason Isbell miniseries, which is what we're in the midst of right now. And then we're trying to give Bruce enough time because he's already teasing more new material coming out. He's apparently, since Western Stars, has become deeply prolific. So... We're we're trying to give Bruce enough time so that uh, he can make whatever he wants to make during the pandemic, and then we can talk about it. So today we're talking about um, what number track is this? This is we're talking about deep in the record. We're talking about Sirens of the Ditch. Where we last week we started off uh, and we talked about the first half or ish more of than half of Sirens of the Ditch, which is Jason Isbell's first or his his debut solo effort. And today we're we're finishing up that discussion, and we're we're inter- the final track we talked about last week was track seven, which was hurricanes and hand grenades, which puts us now at track eight, which is in a razor town. So first of hey, all, before we get to in a razor town, do you want to give everybody a hand grenade update? No. <laughs> <laughs> Other than to say that I tried, like now now knowing that those are drinks, I tr- I did at at home make myself a hand grenade uh, beverage. And I, I was able to drink about half of it before my constitution said, no, thank you. And that <laughs> kids don't play with explosives. That will be all. Yeah. Apparently there's because there's like one and a half shots of pretty much every kind of liquor you can think of in a glass. Uh, I was making a joke about the explosive nature of it, but it's like actually has like a very flammable. It's got some very flammable alcohols in it. <laughs> I mean, is is that redundant? Is is there well, like I don't think that whiskey necessarily just like lights on fire. It may. I don't know. I don't know that it doesn't. But I know that I know that Everclear, like if you boil it over an open flame, will immediately turn into a bomb. <laughs> oh, I did not know that. That's good to know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So Everclear's like don't cook with Everclear. It will ignite for sure. Yeah. I, and a thing I didn't know before I made my hand grenade was that you can just walk into a liquor store and buy Everclear. <laughs> yeah. Because in my memory, Everclear is like it's it's like moonshine, which is also a thing you can just walk into a, a liquor store and buy now. Yeah, but, absolutely, you can get moonshine. Yeah, any oh. respectable adult. <laughs> oh man, I and that that is that is my drink of choice when when I on on the rare now occasion that I do drink moonshine or hand grenade. Uh, moonshine. I will probably oh. not ever oh. have another hand grenade again. It was yeah way more than I I could handle. That 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 is for uh, that, you you got to level up. 
that that that's not a side mission kind of project. Yeah, that's like, I used to have a worship pastor from Kentucky, and he was a uh, he he was from Kentucky, so he was my moonshine guy and my worship pastor. <laughs> that's nice, Sandy, the one stop shop. Yeah, he I think he had an uncle with a still. Jeez, wow, <laughs> that's great, man. The South. Yeah, um, it's great. So last week, I'm going to try and get us out of the ditch, uh, so to speak. But (laughs) last week we started talking about the the album Sirens of the Ditch. And we're trying to look, and one of the things we always try and do if we're going to be talking about an album is we look for like a common theme. Like, so what is the the through line? And the title of the album itself kind of gives you a hint towards the through line, which is basically like uh, the the human propensity towards self-destruction, towards veering off on your own as it would seem into into the metaphorical ditch of life. So we a lot of the songs on this album are are about people who sort of like shoot themselves in the foot or commit unforced errors. And um and so now we're we're continuing that discussion but we're also there um and we'll get to the bonus tracks when we get to it. There are bonus tracks that may or may not uh connect with the theme in in, in some way or another. Anyway, so that puts us at track 8 which is in a razor town. In a razor town, you'll take her every you think you can keep around. And there's an echo of sound that permeates the sidewalk where she shuffles round. It's a big machine, it used to be the avenue of changing dreams. And she's a lonely thing. This has some great dobro in it. This is musically, this is a really nice song. It, it makes me think of uh, the the TV show Friday Night Lights. Oh yeah, you know. Yeah. And I also, I think musically, it's a strong preview of what Jason will eventually do with the Southeastern album. You know, like I. I th- oh my gosh, that's in my notes. He, he so he does the chorus uh, in the choruses, the guitar and the dobro follow the melody and. Like, that's what he does on Cover Me Up. Like, that's how he opens Southeastern. Yeah. Um, and he does that a lot thematically throughout this record. It's like previews. We're going to talk about a few more songs that I think are sort of previews. Yeah. And, th- and that really tells you, like, as a... Because he's, he's already written and produced songs with the Drive-By Truckers. But he even... Like, and we talked about last week how this album for him was his way of, like, self-expression. Like, he really mm. said, like, I really wanted to make something... That more reflected my sensibility, and I think what we're finding is that even though he probably had a really good vision for what this was going to be, he's still kind of figuring out his sensibility. Because you're right, like there are there are several places in this album where you can sort of see future iterations of like better versions of this stuff kind of coming out in his latter day material, beginning I think with Southeastern. Yeah, this is almost like he released some tracks before something later you know yeah because there's like whole legos you know that just like whole chunk you know whenever you dig through the lego box and there's like whole chunks of the lego set that you took apart and you're like oh i'm gonna rebuild this spaceship there's like whole chunks of spaceship in this record that's a really that I, I love that metaphor. That's that's a really good image of of what it is that we're experiencing here. Because you're right. Like in in this Thanks, right here, man. we've been growing our metaphors organic here this year. <laughs> that's great. But yeah, and and this song this song totally feels like it could have been a lost track from Southeast. Like if you if Southeastern was Jason's actual debut album, and you heard this song, you'd be like, oh, that's that's a that's an outtake from that record. You know? Yeah. So, so yeah, it does musically, sonically, it does feel like, oh, this is what he's getting at later on. Like he he will he will he will go back to the well with this one. Also, the bonus track 
nature of the of some of these songs and the fact that there are a bunch of bonus tracks makes me he he doesn't leave a lot of room for the stuff you don't know if there's stuff on the cutting room floor in a lot of his releases you know what i mean like he's he's he puts out a pretty tight product and that's what you get and so this kind of revisiting this kind of reassures me that we're gonna keep getting you know because there's some people who put out a couple of good tight records and they wrote 14 songs for each 12 song record and there's a you know you get your springsteens who have like four thousand songs um, you know, and this kind of makes me feel good that maybe he's got, you know, yeah. a bag full of songs somewhere. Well, and I feel like he's such a natural songwriter and that, that there, I, I would like to think that someday down the line we will get some Jason Isbell version of tracks Yeah, that has like, you know, like 30 songs or whatever, or like Pearl Jam's Lost Dogs, you know, like a, like a, I almost think he'd never put something like that out. You, you think he'd just save them and like, well, I mean, well, he, think about that tweet we talked about last on the last episode. I love that we talk about his tweets. Uh, when he <laughs> said, uh, somebody said, which record do you wish that you could release? Um, you know, full band, which acoustic songs do you wish you could release full band? He was like, I can. Yeah. I have it. I could. Yeah. <laughs> this guy, I think he really likes what he puts out there. Except, days, you know, except we, we got a re-release of this album in 2018 where he like releases four new tracks. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying is like since this we haven't gotten a lot else, and so what I'm saying is like this is making me feel good. Like okay, maybe there is other stuff. He's just a little more cagey with it. I don't maybe care if so. I hear it. I just want to know that he's making a lot of stuff. I think he because is. I because I think that's the key to like being the reason Bruce he said it in in the um, Western Stars documentary. Um, no, in the Letter to You documentary, he was like I picked up a guitar because I had something I needed to say. And I still need to say that to you all 40 years later. You yeah. know, and like, <laughs> the, says it, you know, the way he does with his, like, with his soul patch pointing out somehow. Yeah. All these years later, I still have to say it. And like, that's because, not because he wants to write a great song. He does. But it's because he has like a thing pouring out of him that he gets to, you know. Yeah. And I think that Jason has the same thing. So. I think that's right. I And, and I mean, we've... It, at this point, I think I do wonder if our listeners are going to be like, okay, here's like the one of the boxes on the bingo card is like we compare Jason Isbell to Bruce Springsteen, which obviously we're going to do because this is at its core a Bruce Springsteen podcast. And the reason we're talking oh, I've about I've got it, a bingo card moment for the bonus episode that I'm so excited about. Oh, good. <laughs> well, um, anyway, oh, so back to Inner Razor Town. So, Inner Razor Town, it's about a small town that's dying, which is again very Springsteen ish. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the song is and also very Sheffield, Alabama. Yeah, and, and yeah, and, and I, I, a lot of these things come very naturally to Jason. And and so the song insists that the town is draining the life out of the people who refuse to leave. So either you can um, stay in the town and just sort of accept your fate, or you can tr- or you can wish you could leave, or and and somehow get out. But you can be born to run. But for the people who stay and for the people who sort of resign themselves to the, it, it like the the town itself almost functions like a vampire, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it it is it's almost a twin to what what was the one we talked about last week about the guy, um, the the rich guy who goes to the football games, you know, and and is slowly like draining the town of of all of its life. Um, mm. You know what I mean? I can't remember. The, shoot, I'm totally drawing a blank. If I had the down in a hole. Down in a hole, yeah. So it, it is almost like a twin to that. It's like it's like the mm-hmm. the, the song is, is sung about the people who live in the town that the guy has drained the resources out of. Well, I'm sure. I feel like we all have a, and maybe it's just someone who lives in such a concentration of like small southern towns. But 
how many people do we all know who like could be anything they wanted to in the whole world, but they're like running their mom or their pop shop, you know, or something they started in their hometown a long time ago? Yeah. Because it, it has somebody's got to, or they go away. That's right. And the town dies. Nobody, nobody's necessarily trying to sustain the town, but also no one wants it to die on their watch either. Yeah. Well, and and the things that w- would require a town like that to survive, a, a lot of times would require like the cigar chomping guy or like a Walmart or you know, and and so mm-hmm. and the town would just die a different kind of death. Like all the small businesses would go away, and so. Um, and, and and this, I mean, it connects back to the theme, right? Sirens of the ditch. It's the ditch is the is the town, and it's it's basically like you can either get out of the town, and every time somebody leaves the town, it contributes to sort of the slow decline of the town because everybody who has any kind of ambition or drive leaves, you know, and so you. You, you contribute to the, to the downfall of the town by leaving, or you stay and you sort of like conform to the shape of the town, which also kind of drains the life out of both you and the town. And it, it's yeah. this like double-edged razor, as it were. And so like that's, so the, the town itself is the ditch. Yeah, absolutely. We call the town I work in the Velvet Ditch. You do? Yeah, Oxford is the Velvet Ditch. It feels so good when you get stuck. <laughs> so cozy. <laughs> But it's still a ditch. Interesting. It's a great town. It's a great town. It's just so easy to get stuck there like this song. It's a razor town. Yeah. Uh, one thing I like about the song is it could be infinitely long. You know, this is like one of those praise songs that like has, you know, could go on forever. Our kids wouldn't stop crying in bed the other night and April and I both started singing. This is the song that never ends at the same time. And we sang it. We committed. We looked each other in the eyes. And we we're like, we're doing this. We to lock eyes. <laughs> we've been, we've been like missing each other a lot just personally, but we've been nailing like some alley-oops. Like Shep started crying about turning off the TV today. And I was like, all right, well, we're going to cry about the TV. And she walked over to one leg and I walked over to the other. <laughs> Oh, so anyway. I love those moments. It's such a good moment. Anyway, um, you got anything else to say about In a Razor Town? Or you want to move on to Shotgun Wet, uh, Shotgun Wedding? Let's, I mean, since we're talking about marriage, let's talk about Shotgun Wedding. Two years out of high school Still no idea what to do You took him home from a nightclub You took a nightclub to you Now I watch from the So this feels like somewhere in between the River Junior and the song where Bruce tries to marry that just single mom on the street, allegedly single mom on the street. She could have been married. <laughs> yeah, it it does. I I thought about the river also because um be, because of the the nature of like well I guess this is what we have to do. Um, I I feel like I have a confession I have to make. I did not know until relatively late in life what a shotgun wedding was. I th- oh, okay. I, I, I used to think that a shotgun wedding was just when people get married really, really quickly for, mm-hmm. for no particular reason. But I, lear- I learned a couple of years ago that uh, I was very wrong about that because I, as a minister, referred to a wedding that I was doing as a shotgun wedding, like just at, in like conversation one time. Oh, no. Yes. And in, um, and then somebody looked at me because, okay, here's what happened. Let me, let me just sort of... Here, the story was, is this. The, the couple that I was marrying, the guy had enlisted in the military and he was going to be deployed. And so he, before, before going to Afghanistan for nine months, he wanted, he wanted to have gotten married before he left. And they asked me to do their wedding. And he had like two weeks before his deployment. So we had to do it really, really quickly. And so I was talking to somebody. I was, I was about to leave. I was at an event. 
And I was about to leave this one event to go to this wedding that I was going to do. And I said, I got to go. I'm doing a shotgun wedding. And the person that I was talking to looked at me like, what did you just say? Like, why would you tell people that's what you were doing? And I didn't, I did not. And for those who, who d still don't know, a shotgun wedding, the, the, the term comes from when a guy has gotten a girl pregnant and. The, and they get married at the end of the daddy's shotgun. That's right. And I did not know that. And it was explained mm -hmm. to me at this one event that that's what I was, and that when and it was I was advised like, hey, when you get to this wedding that you're gonna do, maybe don't refer to it as a shotgun wedding because yeah, like, definitely don't say that. Don't say that because it it was not, <laughs> to my knowledge, it was not a shotgun wedding. It was all voluntary, and no one was pregnant. It's just the guy was trying to get uh, married before he was deployed. Anyway, so right. I, Those I learned military spousal benefits are tight. Yeah, so I learned uh, what a shotgun wedding was. <laughs> way later than i probably should have anyway so it's funny that in this song it's the guy proposing a shotgun wedding because by definition like then it's not a shotgun wedding so basically it, it, it's almost like the inverse of the river right because the guy really wants a shotgun wedding he sees this as like he wants to start a family and he sees that as his only opportunity and is it his kid i don't know like that and, and that sort of like goes back to the because uh, he says well every time i see you you look bigger than the day before and even though i know it's not my fault i wish it was yeah, so it seems like maybe it's not his, but he really wishes it. Well, like, it's in exactly what you, like, your comparison to I Want to Marry You, which is, like, I think he just really wants to, like, be a dad, you know? So, yeah. Like, hey, I'll, we can pretend like it's mine, and we'll do a shotgun wedding. And um, and so it's, I know a couple of guys who, like, who were, you know, in their 30s, and they were like, I would love to marry into a family, man. That's what I'm looking for right now. That is such an pre, interesting... Like a a pre-started family that I can just jump on in and help out, you know? I ain't got to start from scratch at 35. <laughs> wow. I mean, yeah. that that is a perspective I cannot find my... I mean, I, I, I love being a dad, but, I mean, at the same time, I can't imagine, like, <laughs> seeing somebody else's kids and being like, I wish I could raise those kids. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, dude, I, <laughs> my, one of my absolute best friends is a former roommate of mine. I used to always be like, one of these days, you know, you'll see, talking about, like, not sleeping with kid to, you know, kids, because me and the guy worked together for years. He married he married a woman who has this incredible uh, preteen daughter. She's incredible. Um, and they they just all fell in love, and they got he got married and, you know, adopted her, and it was great. Um, but then, so it went from me being like, one day you'll see, to him being like, teenagers, JB. <laughs> 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 oh, I love it. He's like, one day. Teenagers, and you got two of them. So, what do you think of this song? I I don't love it, but I want him to do a power punk or power pop, you know, like Spoon meets two thousands, not boy band, but you know, like the Click Five or whatever meets uh, meets like punk, you know, the Ramones or something like that kind of. I want him to get in there. He's he's got it in him. You know, you can hear it in this song, and we talked we've talked about a few already. Is like he's got it in him for sure. A whole power punk, power pop record. Yeah, th this song. I think this this song is more about the potential uh, that it shows than the quality of the song itself. I think that it's a great example of like Jason's willing to get into a kind of a weird perspective to finish a song. Yeah. And this kind of feels like the kind of song that maybe he had written from a different perspective, and then he was like. Mm, seems boring. What if we had a different character? You know, who? what if we had a different protagonist? Yeah, what if, I mean, and you could, again, like, it, it's not a, like the little girl I want to marry you situation. Like, I don't think Bruce 
sees single moms and is like, you know, I'd, I'd really love to help that that lady raise her kids. I, I think he's he understands that that is a perspective that people have. And so Jason yeah. is, is channeling that part of like the the alternate perspective storyteller part of himself that is capable of of thinking like, what if I was the kind of guy who just really wanted a, like exactly what you just described? What if I was like a 35 year old guy who just really wishes I could just like step into a family that was already in progress? You know, yeah. but it's fun. Yeah, but then there's also the savior complex, which is, you know, again... Right, is it performative, altruistic, is it altruistic, or is it love, you know? Right, and maybe it's all three. Is there true altruism? Is it all performative in some degree? Yeah. It's the societal glue, yeah, this argument, right? Right. Uh, Sorry, (laughs) I have a neighbor who used to just be like, you want to come over and smoke cigars and drink scotch? And I'd always be like, yeah, but then I realized it was just so that we could have that talk over and over and over and over and over. And I finally was just like, I don't like scotch. (laughs) Well, I mean, that, that, that conversation goes on in every freshman dorm room at some point, yeah. you know, so it's, yeah, it, at, at what, at some point you're like, I've, I've, I've been, I've, I've been in this conversation so many times. Um, the, the question of whether or not altruism can possibly exist. <laughs> yeah. Nietzsche. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, w- once, once they've had an episode of friends that covers it, I think you're, you know, <laughs> I, th- I think, I think, I think you've explored it. Um, yeah. So anyway, like musically, I think it's I think it's pretty good. I think it's catchy. I mean, it, it definitely it, it's an earworm if if it gets you at the right moment, you know. Yeah, it's definitely fun to be a part of. Yeah, the song, not the discussion. Um, right. Um, and then we have track ten, which is the magician. the ending of this song could be halved maybe the intro yeah this is about the george w bush uh administration going into iraq and i'm sorry i was thinking of the song magic (laughs) i was like no it's not (laughs) not at all not at all i'm just again just trying to draw as many springsteen comparisons as i possibly can because in 2007 the year that this album came out bruce also puts out an album called magic in which there's a song called magic yeah you can mark Rob talking about how much he loves magic off of your bingo card. Uh, I, I didn't say I loved it. I just said it happened. I do love it. So now you can check it off your bingo card. So anyway, so yeah. The There's song- a song off Southeastern that has the same sort of guitar melody. That might be traveling alone or flying over water. No, it might be traveling alone. I don't know. There's something where he's just like in the in the progression, the chord progression, the acoustic guitar. He just sort of like as he's progressing, um, he just like walks the right notes into the other ones to play the melody he's singing, sort of. Yeah. You know, that thing that him and John Mayer do that's like, ugh, we get it. <laughs> <laughs> You're good. You're good. Yeah. I don't really have much to say about this song. Um, so so this song, thematically, this song equates hurting people with doing magic tricks. So again, not actually about the George W. Bush administration. Um like the the line I had a bride sawed her in half, yeah. So so a lot like the magic tricks here are like Bruce always talks about how his magic trick is like convincing the audience that he's having some kind of experience or that he's 
you know, good with cars or whatever. Um, right. It, it, like his magic trick is how he interacts with the audience. And this, in, in this particular song, this person's magic trick is I am really good at hurting people in all sorts of innovative, creative ways. Um, and then I can make myself disappear. And I can, yeah, exactly. I can make myself disappear. So why do you think he says, I'm an orphan, but ain't we all? Like that, that line was tripping me up a little bit earlier. Like, does that work with the magician imagery? Like, or is that a mixed metaphor? What, what's he doing it there? It feels like a mixed metaphor to me. I feel like he's saying like, be, like I can make myself disappear, but like, can't we all do that? You know? Yeah. <laughs> he's saying like, here's my actual magic trick. I can make myself disappear, but anybody can do that. Um... Is it just like we're all alone in this world and like the yeah, ma- the magic trick so. is just a way of revealing that? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. This song's a little too much like Dollhouse for me. Yeah. Like like it stays inside the metaphor for just a little too long. Yeah. This thing does one thing the Dollhouse doesn't do. It breaks with the metaphor though. But in this way, case it does it incorrectly. <laughs> yeah. Well, in this yeah. It, thematically, it stays inside the. The, the, the theme of the album. Yeah, it's, it's about this guy who drives himself in the ditch. He sabotages all of his relationships with his metaphorical magic tricks. So, so, yeah. so far, I mean, really, Shotgun Wedding is almost like not... It's almost like driving out of the ditch. Like he's, this, The person in Shotgun Wedding is looking for more stability and more responsibility, while it seems like every other song so far is about sort of self-destruction and decay. You know? But isn't that the thing about being in the ditch is sometimes you, even if you are like, I want to do the right thing, you look around you and everybody else is in the ditch. Yeah. Well, and, and that the idea of getting yourself out of the ditch is finding a girl who's already pregnant and saying like, why don't, why don't I just like pretend, pretend like that baby is mine and we'll start a, we'll start a family and you know, we'll, we'll tell everybody that it's mine. So, so yeah, yeah maybe, maybe that's the ditch. Is the, the and ditch. I'll be totally cool about it forever and never bring it up in a fight. Yeah. The, the self-deception of like, I'm a great guy. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that, right. yeah, maybe that's the ditch. Good point. Yeah. So maybe maybe it's not maybe he's not as out of the ditch as, as he may may seem like he is at face value. So then that moves us to the final track on the album proper on the original release of the album, which is "The Devil Is My Running Mate." Devil is my running mate. This here is his favorite state. I'm sorry, you folks had to wait. He always likes to show up late No, that ain't a rainbow sun Street lamps on petroleum Let's pull in here and get us some Supplies are running out now So I think this is a song where it's like, man, this dude is going to write some shit soon, but this just ain't quite it. Man, I was just, I was waiting for a Mike Pence joke. I was, I, I was ready for it. I, like, the, sorry, I didn't even think about that the, because I'm just, I'm, I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, and done is the right place to be. I just thought like, well, I can't not. It's make... the just place to be, but it's my current state. Yeah. The, the perspective is, is told from the, or the song is told from the perspective of Mike Pence. Um, and he's like, but I'm fine with it, you know, yeah. because you know, because I have no I think it's, shame. Anyway, I think it's more about the devil is big um, natural resources, but it also very much slaps on a Mike Pence really well. It does. Well, I mean, yeah, the title at least. So, so the album, it, and this is the closer to. There are four bonus tracks that we'll talk about in a minute, but. That, well, if, hang if on. Let th- me say in this song, he says "Rainbow Sun" and rhymes it with "petroleum." Which is like, that's not quite a five gold stars rhyme, but it's really close. 
and it, that's another little token. That's another Easter egg. Like he's gonna rhyme benzo diazepine. I was gonna say that's he's my gonna, favorite rhyme he ever makes. Some is benzo diazepine. <laughs> yeah, amphetamines. Um, yeah, codeine. He, codeine. <laughs> he rhymes a lot of drugs. <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. He rhymes a lot of a lot of words that people don't rhyme, and he uses his southernness to do it. This is my favorite part. Is like, well, you guys think I sound dumb when I talk. What if I rhyme these two words together that you can't do without sounding dumb? That's <laughs> <laughs> my favorite thing about him is like, well, sir, I don't think I'm that bright, but I think I might be brighter than you are. <laughs> well, it just tells you he's got a really, he's got a very natural ear for melody too, that he's able to hear these words that are not at all melodic and find a way somehow to make them like find, find a home inside of a really good melody. You know. So that's something I'm, I want to talk about a little bit on this. I think it's his next song. No. It was the last song, maybe. Ooh. Um, well, did I just... Oh, no, 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 no. I'll make a point later. But, but yeah, so... Um, he... he that I think those rhymes talk about the sort of um, folktale nature of the way that a lot of people in the hills learn music. Yeah. And a lot of the way a lot of people in the Deltas learn music, and he's you know if anything he's blues and country, right? Yes. And and bluegrass, and so that's that's where he learned, you know, how to play is from like these people who also learned how to English not from reading but from talking, right? And yeah. So there very much is that sort of um, oral history. Um, I think I haven't thought about it that way. That was a good point you made. Sorry, <laughs> I was catching myself up to you. To, oh, about what? About the melodic? Yeah, you said it's his ear for the melody. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I think that comes from the oral nature of the traditions that he comes from. Yeah, I think that's probably right. Um, so, m- musically, or I guess really thematically, I feel like this is, this is of, of all the songs that made the album, I feel like this is the correct one for him to close the album out with. Because he opens the album with Brand New Kind of Actress, which is about a guy who uh, it's about Phil Spector. It's about a guy who's very successful, but he's still deeply destructive and like homicidal, quite frankly. And, and, and that the, the homicidal nature like overshadows and totally just eclipses the creative nature. And so the rest of these songs are in some way or another about people who are drawn by the sirens of the ditch. And this song is almost a way of explaining it. Like, why are we, why are we attracted to these things? Oh, because the devil is my running mate because yeah. Because I because I am naturally bent towards self destruction, and he doesn't really universalize it. He just uses these stories as a way of saying like this is a common. Th- these are things that people struggle with. That th- that is is a common thing that that lots of people do struggle with. And so, um, which is the thing that another musician I like um, does. Yeah, good point. <laughs> yeah. So so yeah, that like that this 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 song closes the album like yeah yeah we all we all have these like little like devils on our shoulders that continue to sort of guide us towards the ditch in one way or another and and it it is it doesn't end with a with a big it does not end with a land of hope and dreams you know what I mean it do, it doesn't no. give us it there there is no like bright like ray of sunshine towards the end it it pretty much resigns itself to the devil is my running mate um and it, cl- um, it closes the album. Do you think there's some? So you said that that brand new kind of actress in the Devil's Marine a bit pair nicely, but like, what about Down in the Hole and the Magician? That's kind of a, it's two couplets. Yeah, that's a good point too, and and it does it makes me wonder. Um, well, and then in a Razor Town, like with Down in a Hole, you know, like um, mm-hmm. so it, it does. Yeah, I 
that, that's, there's some good puzzle pieces here. Like, like we said, whenever you pull the Legos out, some of the last set's still together, and you want to make some changes, but you're like, that was a good idea for a spaceship. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and as we get into the bonus tracks, we're going to see, like, yeah, there, there are some themes that he's really trying to, like, aim towards. and Because I, and, and we'll talk more about this in the next four, but there are four bonus tracks that, that were part of the 2018 album re-release as the deluxe edition. And I, I, as I was listening to all four of these songs over and over and over again today, I, I found myself kind of thematically getting a little bit bored. And the reason isn't because the songs are bad. It's because it feels like he's trying to say the same thing in different ways. It's 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 like yeah. how Bruce like rewrote Candy's Room like four times. You know what I mean? Like I had the lyrics to Crystal Clear and the Assassin in the wrong, like in each other's places in my um, notes. It took me a while to realize it, <laughs> even though I was like listening to one of them. <laughs> Well, and quite like frankly, humming, humming the wrong lyrics to it, you know, because it, it fits the theme. Yeah. So, well, I mean, the assassin with, could be the name of either of those songs. I think. Well, with that in mind, do you want to do you want to talk about the bonus tracks? Yeah, let's talk All about right. the bonus tracks. So, the first bonus track, if you have the deluxe edition, this is track twelve, which is called "Whisper." I see your rage and your quivering lips, the lines in your face. In your hips, I know this time there's no going back. The things that I owe you are things that I like. So, I don't have any notes on here except for like one star. (laughs) Yeah, this song is brutal, Uh, and and it does because last week we talked about a song on on this album that sort of deals with like domestic abuse trauma that kind of thing and this this song kind of goes there as well and it seems like this this song seems like it's from the perspective of an abuser who is just beginning to realize what he has been doing to his partner and when she starts to speak for herself when she begins to assert her own worth and will he says he he wishes he wishes that she would just whisper so it's i mean it this song is brutal man like i yeah. Uh, I, I do. But it doesn't help that the performance is like. I don't feel like the performance is overwrought. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's like, it feels like Tim Robinson's doing the like last couple choruses. You know, in a bar, where people are trying to eat dinner. You, you think he's overplaying it? <laughs> yeah, he's just. I don't know. It, it feels like one of those songs that like he's probably really into, and the band's like, all right, man. Yeah. Well, and, and like we said before, like there, there's another song on, on the album, and off the top of my head, I can't remember which one it is, but the, the already sort of deals with like the and I, I, last week I compared it to Pearl Jam's Better Man, but um, the like that nature, like the tension of like staying in a relationship when the relationship is mm-hmm. toxic, and um, and that th- this one is more about like this person is beginning to assert her own will. I, I actually I wonder if this this was meant to pair with brand new kind of actress because like that's like phil specter like the reason like the thing that he could not stand was a a woman who was talented and yeah, independent and, and could yeah. yeah and so so it, it does make me wonder if like this is like what if phil specter had like an ounce of shame inside of him you know so yeah it's also cool to see him like in real time making this like big sort of realization about women i think yeah not necessarily like women but just like how women have been treated in the world well, yeah. It, yeah, people people in relationships like the person in a relationship who has less power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I feel sure. like he's really thinking about that. I, I gotta say, like the content of the song is good. 
I just don't think about that theme because it's so overwrought. Like the bomb, bomb, bomb. You know, it's unearned. Yeah. And I think it's one of those songs that, like, we wrote a ton of these when we were young that were, like, unearned because we thought that just the fact that we wrote a song about this theme was earned. You know what I mean? And, like, this is a great idea. And he he has an amazing talent for being able to write songs with a lot of lyrics in them. I mean, a ton of lyrics in his songs. I mean, this is the guy who wrote Decoration Day. Yeah, Bruce does the same thing. Yes. They, I mean, these guys just fill songs with lyrics. This is a song that he his his you know skill was not there that day, and also he didn't edit. Yeah, it's just this is a three minute song that's a little bit faster. <laughs> You know? Yeah. If we're going to get this much story in, and if we're going to earn all those big whole notes. I, I will... Because it's all whole notes, dude. I mean, the way... You could edit this song without the sound on. The waveforms are just... Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. And I, I will say, and, and just to sort of tip my hand a little bit, like, there, there isn't a single... Of, of these four bonus tracks... There's not a single one of them that I would argue belongs on this on Sirens of the Ditch. Like I don't I don't think Sirens of the Ditch would be better at like proper. I don't think the original release of Sirens of the Ditch would have been any better with any one of these songs. I'm not sure I've thought through that, even though I should know that you're gonna ask me that question, but oh we'll talk about it again in a minute. Alright. And and maybe and maybe I could take some convincing, but I, I think I, I think the songs that he picked for Sirens of the Ditch are in general Better, better than the ones that he left off. But I think the whisper could have been an incredible song. It's just not in this current state. I'd love to see him write a, a new version of it and, of this of these lyrics. You know, like rewrite these lyrics. And maybe that's part of it too. Maybe maybe he should have held back on these bonus tracks and taken another swing at at the ideas later on. But who knows? Um, maybe these are the ones that he took swings at and was like, you know what? That's the best I got. Yeah, <laughs> the, I'm not. You know, we'll just go a different direction. That's, I mean, it's totally possible. So then, that where are you at on uh, Crystal Clear? Um, so crystal, the next bonus track. Yeah, crystal clear. Daylight's coming in. I guess the blanket's getting thin. And every shadow on my skin's a different shape. There's nobody here. I heard them call it crystal clear. When you've been by yourself and you're still wide totally sure what the full narrative of this song is but it involves a guy named manny who definitely needs to have his kids taken away by cps yes i uh, think this is another song that suffers from like not being edited yeah i think so too it's and i think it, the the narrative is unclear and i and for for a little while i felt like maybe i'm a little bit like it, I, i'm just not getting it um and the title of the song seems to be about how very obvious it uh, it should be that everybody needs to stay away from manny's house um mm. Like that's there's it, a guy cooking meth in a trailer in town, but nobody's done anything about it besides he, say stay away from it. Right, and like Crystal, he, so like, yeah. he does a great thing with this. He, I think he, di- I think this is Super Eight Part One. Ooh, uh, like going back to Southeastern. Or I don't want to die. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to die in a Super Eight motel just because somebody's evening didn't go that well. That's an incredible song. Can't wait to talk about that one. But um, it's funny how, yeah, how often like, we talk about Southeastern as like the benchmark for like wh- how we think about Jason's music. You know, like we're I know right. We're and talking he's about written better records since then, but we just can't get past Southeastern. Like yeah. I, he could have not released anything, and I'd still be listening to Southeastern all the time. Same, same, yeah. Even like if he wasn't on Twitter, reminding me of his brand, I would be listening to Jason's <laughs> Bull. You know, like 
I'm just going to be listening to Jason Isbell, Donovan Woods, and, and um, you know, metal for the rest of my life. Yeah. <laughs> Sabbath, so, baby. So do you feel like Crystal Clear, like like you said, you, you feel like this is also just a little bit undercooked? No, no pun intended. I think it's a fun song. I think it, I think it could live on any record. You know, it's it's not incredible. It could be shorter. I think it. This is another one that like really comes from his influences. It's it's like this um, very specific sort of Wild West story song mixed with like a holler warning. You know, or that blues admonition song. Yeah. Um, it's great. I love it. The sort of adventure nature of it. You know what I mean? It's like if a old Wild West tale was justified. You know, it was Elmore Leonard. Mm. Uh, was updated for today, you know, and not out west, but you know, in a trailer in the hills. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, and it's got that funky synth in there, you know. It's just like it's a silly song, um, but I think it shows like what he wants to do with the four hundred unit later. Yeah, and and maybe that's sort of the theme of this whole discussion, right? Which is like we're we're beginning to we're, we're seeing early iterations of of things that he will eventually perfect. And I think this release kind of says, like, no matter how refined you get me, I'm always going to slip in some raunchy, nasty guitar tones. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, these things sound bad by themselves, right? You know what I mean? Like, you pull them out of the mix, and you're like, oh, man, that's crunchy. <laughs> mm. So, so good. These guitar tones are the best. So, how do you feel about The Assassin? There's killer in the land Killed women, children, just disease a rogue and mangled bodies nonchalantly out the door. But now I've lost my taste for killing anymore. Made me lots of money, was the best at my job. I never had to <laughs> I don't dislike it, you know? Yeah. So here's how I feel about it. I like what they're doing, like, in the live room, right? Yeah. I don't think it's a great song, but I feel like everybody's pretty excited to play it that day. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, it's kind of a restrained, but it's got, like, a lot of feeling in it and emotion. It feels like a really good, like, fun live song where everybody's kind of, like, pumping their shoulders while they're hitting their, you know, palm mutes. Yeah. I think Little Steven would just kill it on the song, you know, just in the back of the studio, just palm muting and dancing and... Yeah, it it this it, it feels a little bit like a Devils and Dust song a little bit. You know what I mean? Like uh mm-hmm. it's it's about I mean the the theme of the song is it's about an assassin who's lost his taste for killing. And uh Right. And of course the question becomes like okay, is, is this supposed to be a metaphor for how he treats other people? Not unlike the magician. Like I I wonder right. I wonder if he at some point deliberated whether or not cuz both of these are about like a metaphor about how he destroys relationships, you know? Mm-hmm. And and so so, and and I, I do wonder if like he had to s- sit in the studio and decide like okay am I using the assassin or am I using the magician because I definitely can't use both of them because they're they're <laughs> thematically they're basically the same song. So I like the assassin better than magician. Yeah, I think that's a, I think you can make that case. I, and you gotta also take into like this is clearly not like a mastered version of it, you know. That's that's a good point. It, it is it it does still feel a little bit raw. Is this Jason's outlaw Pete? Mm, no <laughs> no <laughs> nothing is anyone's outlaw pete if you make an outlaw pete you need help yeah good point good point um or it might be great who knows i don't know 
I would say that the Umbrella Academy is Gerard Way's Outlaw Beat. <laughs> oh, interesting. Are, 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 does that mean you are or are not a fan of the Umbrella Academy? I, I don't know. <laughs> I'll tell you that I own Outlaw Pete, the book and the song, and I own the Umbrella Academy books, and I know own some plenty of My Chemical Romance records. <laughs> but I don't necessarily spend a lot of time with Umbrella Academy or Outlaw Pete, but I think about them a lot. Okay. All right. That's fair. That's fair. So the- I'm not saying that I think that making something like that makes you a bad person, but it makes you someone who should definitely be observed. <laughs> <laughs> Just check in on this person. From Which time I think to time. is true of Bruce and of Gerard Way. They both, you know, should be observed. Yeah. Positively, negatively, who knows? I think they're both brilliant geniuses. So speaking of brilliant geniuses, the assassin. Do you? So what? So, so the, you your your assertion here is if you have to choose between the the magician and the assassin, you're saying. Take out the magician and put on the assassin. If you saw the assassin live and you saw the magician live, you wouldn't remember the magician. You would have gotten a beer and you would think that the assassin was probably like one of their hits. You know what I mean? It just kind of feels like the kind of song, the underrated song that they kind of pour into the band. I guess I I could be totally wrong on that, but there's just, you know, there's one of those songs everybody likes that just never quite. It's like uh, Jesse, what's his face from the Good Ones podcast, always asks, like, what's you, the one joke that you are just so sure the audience is wrong about? Um, and this might be that for them, you know? This could be, like, their number one band hit. The Assassin is a cooler title than The Magician. Yeah, for sure, for sure. For sure. Um, and then that leads us to the final bonus track, which is Racetrack Romeo. Yeah, I mean, it's it's another song about a person who's self-destructive in their own relationships, you know? It's kind of sad when you kind of realize who's talking and stuff, you know? Um, right, am I reading that right? Did I lose you? No, I'm here. Are you reading what right? Oh, the lyrics of the song. Yeah, probably. Um, I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's about... It's a guy singing a song to a friend who killed himself. Oh. And talking about his sister... Oh, I don't, maybe I should take another look at it. Because she wanted to know you better. You know what? Let's take a look. I think she knew that it was her own fault. She didn't do it just to make you suffer. I think she did it to piss me off. I don't know what it is. So merciless, so merciless she was. Uh, there's nothing I could say that would make this better. There's nothing I could do that would make this worse. No, she didn't leave a note underneath my pillow. No, I didn't find an answer in her purse. Oh, wow. I It never... Wow, I I totally I I went so fast here. I completely ignored what this song is about. So, yeah, it it does seem like it's about someone. Why do people always knock so loud? Why does everybody seem so lonely? She would say that I should watch the crowd, never focus on the faces only. Yeah, I guess I should have seen it coming. She was giving me the wrong advice. Um, wow. Okay, so merciless we are. So, wow. Yeah. But it could be, I don't know, it could be something else, but that's kind of what I was getting. Uh, is it, she didn't do it just to make you suffer. I think she did it just to piss me off. Wow. 
yeah, I did not spend enough time with this song to really even consider it that that much. By the time I got to this, I I skimmed it and completely. Well, that's because this song could just be about anything. Yeah. Just da 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 da, da you know. Yeah. Well, in, I mean, you look at the first da, verse. Da, 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 da. I'm sorry. <laughs> that, you look at the first verse and it says your um your sister liked to go to the drive-in movie. Your sister liked uh, liked to listen to the radio. I used to think she got off on the things I hated. She used to call me a racetrack Romeo, which sounds like someone who, you know, go goes round and round. Basically, like does the same basic stuff with every girl he encounters and makes makes a girl feel special then ditches them and then makes another girl start the next lap yeah and so wow it it never yeah and and so i i was focused more on the perspective of the narrator and didn't really consider the possibility that the sister took her own life huh i don't i still don't feel confident that i'm reading it right though so I don't know. I mean, I'm the more I look at it, the more I think you're right. There's nothing I can say. I that do think that the better. so merciless thing is sort of kind of feels crass, but I, you know, I had a couple people really close to me kill themselves, and definitely, I was, <laughs> I was filled with anger and not sad. You know what I mean? Like, I think that, well, and that's a common emotion. People people get yeah. very angry at at like, and and then they feel guilty for being angry. Um, and and then just sort still of still don't feel guilty for it. The, <laughs> I'm still very angry. It will, and then the 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 narcissism of of saying she didn't do it just to make you suffer i think she did it to piss me off you know like that 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 someone could believe like that someone would do that just to make this just just to make you angry you know what i mean yeah. like like the, that 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 was the driving motivator um well cuz we yeah cuz we interpret everything through how we feel about it right and yeah which everything's through our own perspective I until this moment I never really considered the heaviness of this song. Wow. Yeah, but like you said though thematically like it's not. So, but it, and it's also not clearly swingy enough to be sort of ironic either. Yeah. Um or subversive. So I think it's just I think it's just undercooked. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. Well, and it's you also know, it, it feels like the um what's the Pearl Jam song? She's gone to heaven, so I gotta be good. It feels like the, the, oh, the cynical kiss. version of it. Yeah, this is the cynical version of that. Yeah. And I think maybe that's what they're trying to do with the beat, you know, the the feel, but... I mean, if, Man, if that dude, is... Dude, let's talk about a song that Pearl Jam nailed. <laughs> Growing up? Yeah. Oh, man. So good. So good. Mr. Eddie Vedder, my hat is off to you, sir. I don't know why I didn't like him for so long, and it might be Weird Al's fault. It, I mean, well, and I mean, this is a whole other conversation, but yeah, I the the thing the thing is, he became so satirized because of like how his voice sounds, and so many people tried to copy his voice, like you know Scott Staff or whatever, and and so like you end up you end up with a lot what of was people the, who wasn't there an SNL sketch where like Scott Stapp pulled him out of the lake in the Creed video and then he pulled um who did he pull out? He pulled out a blues musician, like an older blues musician out of the lake. Oh, and I don't know. It was a parody about like how you stole my voice and then the next and so on and so on. Oh, I don't know. I, I I've not seen that. Oh, I'm sorry. Anyway. But um, Jason Isbell. Jason Isbell, yeah. So if if this song is what we may have just figured out that it's about, 
Um, I can understand why he left it off. It's, I mean, it would by far become the saddest song on this record. Um, so but that's not why he would leave a song off. <laughs> Have you listened to his catalog? I know for real, but maybe, maybe he was like, even, even on this album, maybe, maybe, maybe the fear is like, once we go to this place, we can't come back. Like you can't, you can't come out of that and then do the devil is my Re-. like there's just no place for it that it doesn't just sort of like stop the record in its tracks you know i just have this like mental picture of amanda walking into his studio which is actually a lab full of beakers and he like extracts one droplet in a in a pipette and he goes i did it amanda i've distilled pure sadness and then just like drops <laughs> it onto the strings of his guitar <laughs> if anybody could do it it's him <laughs> oh man all right, well, final thoughts on Sirens of the Ditch and possibly the bonus tracks. I'm going to add Sirens of the Ditch and some of the bonus tracks just to the rotation. I think I'm going to leave the bonus tracks out of the rotation as far as I'm concerned, but I do like the album proper. I like the, the, the 11 tracks that are the official version of Sirens of the Ditch. I fully enjoy. Yeah, I like Crystal Clear a lot, I think. <laughs> Yeah, I, I and I mean melodically and sonically, like I can I can enjoy those songs. Okay, I guess. Um, but yeah, I I, th- I think he made the right choices when he curated the album. Yeah. Um. So as far as his catalog goes, I mean it's it's early to say this because this is his first you know so like non drive by truckers outing, um, and we'll be able to sort of rank them as we go later on as we enter into new discussions, but. Um, how are you feeling just at face value right now? How are you feeling in terms of like how this holds up compared to the rest of his body of work? Um, it's still down there. Yeah. Um, I don't know. See, the thing is like, you got here, we rest 400 unit sirens of the ditch. None of them are bad. All of them are all right. Some of them are good. I think this one's good are the other two good you know what i mean like i, I haven't revisited them yet <laughs> yeah um i i I, t- I tend to think it's I, th- I think i've used this comparison before but i it's almost like a hill and start like sirens of the ditches at the bottom and then for like the next two albums are like each a little bit higher and then you southeastern is the peak and then mm-hmm. and then it begins to sort of plateau with um something more than free and it kind of stays at that plateau I can't tell you that something more than free is worse than Southeastern, but I can't tell you that there's a record that he's made that is better than Southeastern. So I don't know what we're going to do. That's that's going to be, an, like, as we go through this, it'll be an interesting thing to do once, once we've gotten to Southeastern, because Southeastern really is the pivot point for his entire body of work. So it'll be interesting that once we've done Southeastern, how do we talk about the rest of the stuff? And how do we look back on this stuff? You know what I mean? Like... Yeah, I'm going to get a light and I'm going to put it up outside of my office window here. And whenever you're about to ask me how I feel about the record compared to the other ones from now on, I'm going to turn that light on. And April's going to go pull Shepard out of bed as fast as she can and bring him out here and set him in front of the microphone. I'm just going to leave. <laughs> just be a JB shaped like, no, hole in the wall. No, 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 no. <laughs> and that's going to be it. <laughs> that's going to be the right response. Yeah. Um, I couldn't have said it better myself. All right. <laughs> Well then, I guess we're done for Sirens of the Ditch. That was that. That's good. I'm glad we got a chance to spend a couple of weeks talking about this record. I'm glad we spent more than one week on it. I am too. Um, I, I didn't want us to have to rush through any of these albums. Well, I'm just glad to have gotten to spend that much time listening to it, kind of on repeat. You know. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then next time we're going to be talking about 
the the album t- that is titled Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit. So um, th- this will be the first iteration of what is currently Jason Isbell's band. So that'll be fun. That's right. Right. That that one's next. It, that that comes before. Yeah. Here, here we rest. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. In in my mind, I was like, wait. Okay. Yeah. I'm no, right. You're right. I'm right. You're right. I'm right. You're right. Okay, yeah. All right, so then that'll be what we talk about next. And until oh, and then of course, if you're a patron, you can join us on the bonus episode on the feed, and uh, we'll be continuing our discussion, going through the Rolling Stone 500. Don't call it a discussion. Call it what it is. We'll be continuing our saga. Saga. Yes, I, I like that much better. We'll be continuing the f- our top saga. 500. Yeah. Going through the top 500 album, the Rolling Stone magazine top 500 albums of all time list. That's right. So. Um, so yeah, feel free to go over there and join us if you're a patron. That's patreon.com forward slash Springsteen. And uh, if not, we'll see you next week. And we'll be talking about Jason Isbell and the 400 unit. And until then, that's I'm right, Rob. Baby. And that's JB. I'm JB. We'll see you next time. Bye.